0: This episode of Harmonious Gentlemen is brought to you by Blind Man Brewing, makers of craft beer in central Alberta. Say hi to Hans. I think he likes
1: chips.
2: Harmonious Gentlemen.
0: Well, if podcast episodes were the year in which Hungarian students began a revolution against their Soviet overlords you know, this had to be episode 56 of the harmonious Gentleman. I'm Chris. I'm Tyler. I'm Peter. And I'm Graham. So the Hungarian uprising was in 1956. You need the 19 in front of there, but uh, students kind of started to fight back against Soviet oppression and it took till 1980 to kind of solve the problem. But did you know yeah. that already before you came up with this or
3: you were researching? The number? I,
0: I didn't have to research because my grandfather is a Hungarian. Um, what uh, he's not alive anymore, but was of Hungarian descent and, uh, presbyterian minister and when um the uprising happened in 56 hungarians started to emigrate to canada and he because of his training and ability to write in both hungarian and english processed a lot of their documents and helped a lot of hungarians kind of get established in canada which is kind of cool well wow. yeah, it's so really kind cool. of part of our family's history i guess funny Thanks.
3: and educational harmonious gentlemen right
0: that's what
3: yeah.
1: we try to be we're funny yeah, what was funny about that? <laughs> no, that was no, Nothing. <laughs> nothing at no. all. <laughs> Welcome, Peter. Oh, it's good hey. to be back? It's been a little while. Yeah. Yeah. We missed you. I was I was beginning to think that you guys just didn't want me around anymore. No. <laughs> we, just,
3: we can't handle it. You know, it's too intellectually stimulating. We need to take a
0: break.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I get that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Did you ever think, like, the podcast maybe has just quit? Like, maybe they're not doing it anymore.
1: Well, I... I'm an avid listener, so I never got to that point. Oh, gosh, that's so nice of you to Uh, say.
2: (laughs) And you're like, oh, man, another episode that I'm not on.
0: It's getting harder to lie to you when you're like, hey, have you guys recorded an episode (laughs) lately? No, why do you ask? (laughs) No, you knew that we were planning to have you. So thanks for being here. Yeah, Yeah, we're excited. Speaking of
3: avid listener, we have quite a few avid listeners these days. Mm -hmm. I've noticed that our numbers are pretty healthy. So thank you to everyone who listens, especially quickly. It's really cool to see when an episode drops, how quickly some of you get
1: on that. So yeah. thanks we, to
2: everybody who's uh, like spreading the word too. to yeah. um, leaving reviews. We appreciate all that.
1: Yeah. Do we have like 10 people now? Is that it's, it's definitely greater than, Oh yeah, that's, yeah. that's exciting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not a
3: ton of feedback this uh, week, but I did have a, a listener um, make a suggestion to us and I'll put it out there for you guys. This listener um, enjoys the recommendations, but also really enjoyed um, when Chris and I sort of made a commitment to do something we'd been meaning to do. And then we had to do it and follow up on the podcast. Were they disappointed that it took us so long? I didn't say. Okay. But I just think the process of making that commitment and then having to follow up uh, in the podcast, it was a pretty unique thing. And this listener would like maybe once in a while, instead of a recommendation, maybe make make that a substitute uh, segment. Thoughts?
2: I think it's a great idea. I think it gives us, uh, yeah, holds us accountable. Um, And even just that. I think maybe it was off Off, mic someone said, like, when I say something on the podcast, then I have to actually do it, right? Like <laughs> yeah. it's yeah. So it, it might uh, encourage us to make some positive changes. And
0: yeah, Sometimes yeah. in the education field, we use the phrase commit to try, where it's yeah. like, y- you don't have to promise that it's going to be great or you're going to do a great job, but you just have to sort of put yourself out there and do it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we don't even do that, right? Where it's yeah. easier just to not do it, so... Well, I commit to try to record this episode. Wow.
2: I awesome. Good
3: like start. <laughs> I commit to transition to a recommendation segment before Peter reveals the topic of tonight's mm-hmm. conversation, which we do not know.
1: I'm quite excited, like yes. always.
0: Listeners, nice. his eyes
3: are wide open.
0: And, and the glint of the porch light fire is just blazing <laughs> in them. Exciting.
3: All right. Recommendations are all set. We're going to start with Peter after this. So, Peter, are you ready?
1: Oh, yeah.
0: This segment is proudly supported by Cilantro and Chive. The Harmonious Gentlemen highly recommend their fresh, simple eats and their passion for making their community a more harmonious place.
1: Okay, now it's time for the recommendations. Uh, My recommendation is a mixture of some of my two favorite things. Uh, I think a lot of the listeners know that I love anime. Um, This is something that started during COVID and I've been really obsessed and i also love star wars Mm -hmm. and uh on disney plus there's a show called star wars visions which is uh uh, a sort of like a group of star wars short stories done by different anime studios and it is amazing like just some of the best anime i've seen and it's just amazing star wars stories i've Really enjoyed and yeah, I highly recommend
0: it. Is it considered canonical to the Star Wars story? Do you no, know? No, no, because the they, one episode I saw, I thought it's, it's completely separate everything. from the Star okay.
1: Wars uh stories, and they they did it that way so that the like animation studios had like uh like total creative reign over each. Um, I've
0: episode. only seen one and the animation was so beautiful, so it's a different, everyone has a different style. Oh, it's completely oh, different cool. style, yeah.
1: like it is. It is delightful because you have no idea what you're going to expect every time you start a cool. new episode. Yeah, nice.
2: Yeah, thanks, Peter, for like the nerdiest recommendation we've ever had.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> what do you mean, Star Wars, <laughs> Stars? End anime, and <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm g- <laughs> I'm going to recommend that um, that we spend less time on our phones. Um, and one specific strategy that I'm trying to do is not have my phone be the first thing I look at when I wake up and the last thing I look at before I go to bed. Um, I'm not doing great at that, but I've been trying and, uh, I recommend that practice. Um, one thing I'm going to connect this to what you mentioned earlier, Graham, about, uh, committing to try something. I want to buy, uh, an old school alarm clock, um, and then just have that by my bed so that my phone isn't there. Um, I can charge my phone somewhere else and not rely on it as an alarm clock. So by the next episode, I will... And I've been talking about this for a while. I get I've, the
3: feeling we have, we have mentioned we, we this we alarm clock.
2: We've both mentioned we've it full circle. Yeah. Let's just get an alarm clock. Yeah. And it, not that we like would get an alarm clock together, but we've, we've had... Could, <laughs> well, There'd be nothing wrong with
0: that. But
2: um, we've had that conversation. So I, yeah. I'm committing to that. So then nice. by the next episode, I'll have an alarm clock. Yes. Yes. Um, I think they're like three bucks at a thrift store, so yeah. it's not a hard thing to do.
0: Tyler, one of the things I did just this week was turned off my um, data on certain apps. So, like, unless I'm on Wi-Fi, I can't look at them. Okay, which limits how much I can it's see like you're certain in, like, things. Line if I'm, up
2: at a grocery store, then something. I'd
0: maybe yeah. pull up Sportsnet or whatever. But now I can't do that, and I did it this week. Just unthinkingly pulled up a couple apps. I was like, ah, I forgot I turned that off. So, yep. that's but it, cool. it worked. Nice. Put my phone back in my pocket.
3: Yeah, I've been feeling yeah. like I've really not had a good few months with phone time. So I'm glad you mentioned that. And uh, yeah. I'm going to try to be better, too.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm going to recommend an outdoor space in Red Deer River Bend Golf Course. I don't golf, but the space is very beautiful along Red Deer River. We've talked about Red Deer River at different locations in the city before. Uh, this is good for all seasons. so if you're a golfer there's a i think a great public course i don't really know much about golf uh, there's really beautiful walking trails a really awesome perimeter trail that i walked today with my mum and brother we saw a great horned owl three moose and a little bunny and the owl hadn't seen the bunny yet so that was kind of nice and if you <laughs> like to feed birds you can feed chickadees and i had a woodpecker land on my hand today i have a Oh, serious yeah it's awesome that's cool I have uh, photographic proof, if you don't believe me. But uh, go to <laughs> Riverbend. In the winter, the skiing is amazing. The cross-country skiing, uh, lots to do, and a great space.
1: And they have fat biking in the winter, too. I often Ooh. go like, biking. Can you rent
0: them there, or just the trails just are good for
1: Just the trails. It. Yeah. Cool. I think and there's
2: a fishing pond there, too. Is that And that's where, like, the the tubing and...
0: Yeah, the tubing's there. Yeah. It? yeah, maybe there is a, there I think is the, a pond. I, think there, I don't there's, there's a pond, pond there. behind there. Too. Oh, cool. Yeah, and it's just, a cool just an spot. awesome
3: playground for kids, too. Lots yeah, a really great playground. We bought our piano there really yeah the piano company steinway uh, had this big like sort of mobile like they bring all the pianos like in the to, parking lot no like in the actual <laughs> building like the part of okay. the golf club building they had all these huh. pianos brought in and then they have like a sale and we didn't buy that brand of piano uh i should put out there
1: yeah i was gonna say yeah no. the steinway i <laughs> no. thought i would remember that no <laughs> they
3: have like a, like sub brands <laughs> under that name and so we went in for fun just in you know sixty seventy 70 thousand dollar pianos hundred thousand dollar pianos harvey's three banging on the pianos <laughs> But then, yeah, they had one on the side that was beautiful, and it was a, a Boston, and it was just more of a practice space type piano. And we, it was, yeah.
0: We and like them. for us non piano people, does a $70,000 piano sound way better than a. I mean, 5, I don't know if it actually piano? equates to the amount of money, but they sound gorgeous. Yeah. I
3: mean, they really do sound amazing. Yeah. Yeah. My recommendation is pianos, but also um, a new album. If you like music and you like really great rock music, The War on Drugs, the band called The War on Drugs just put out a new album. I forget what it's called, shoot, but it's really really good. And if you like nice sort of laid back rock music, uh The War on Drugs is awesome. Cool. And that's it guys. Cool. We have a nerdy show. We have I might <laughs> cut that part out earlier. That was pretty mean what Tyler said. <laughs> oh no, you got to keep it in. Hey, but very I, true.
1: I thought it was a compliment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: Um all right. Well, without further ado, Peter is about to uh inspire us with his topic.
1: Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll we'll break and then we'll do that. We'll we'll be talking about epistemological frameworks. So Really? Yes. Yeah. Uh,
2: Stay uh, tuned, pardon me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you know me in philosophy, it's one of my favorite things and uh I thought it'd be good for us to talk about epistemology tonight. Yeah. Yeah. That's the collection of bugs and arachnids. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, def- oh. <laughs> definitely. I love spiders. Okay. And I, I'm scared to death of spiders. Yeah. A- anyway, uh, epistemology is, uh, the, it's a subfield of philosophy that talks about knowledge. So how do we know things? What is knowledge? That sort of thing. And the reason why I bring it up is in the past, I feel like in the past year or two years, it's been one of those things where I wish every person in society has studied epistemology. Uh, uh, because it's like, I hear people ask a lot, like, how do we even know what's true? Like, we are in a world where there's so much information. Mm-hmm. Um And it's just like, when we read stuff, how do we know if something is true or not? And it's something that everybody's asking. And the ironic thing about it is there's an entire field of philosophy that addresses that very question. Like, uh, uh, so I thought it'd be good to kind of have like a little intro to epistemology. So to kind of begin our discussion, I want us to uh, talk about uh, what we think the difference, um, or actually, let me backtrack real quickly the epistemology comes from the greek word episteme which means knowledge that's why it's called that anyway okay so for our discussion let's uh talk about what is the difference or what do you see as the difference between fact belief and opinion
2: fact belief an opinion,
1: and and that's basically what the whole field tries to address. Like, how do we know what is factual? What do we know is belief? And what do we know is this opinion or guesswork?
3: So, is the whole field about defining everything into in in, in those fine terms? Like, it's or is an it like over, how do you know what's true you know is true?
1: It, it's an oversimplification, but that is the the core question that epistemologists ask. Say, say them again, real quick. Fact. fact uh, uh, oh, I thought belief. you were gonna have me say epistemologist. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, so fact, belief, and opinion. So, how okay. do you like? Do you want tell each of the, us to define one, or, or, just or like how do you shoot from the hip? Try, or yeah, just shoot Can from I the give hip. give you a
3: Quick example. Like I'm looking at trees behind Tyler in our beautiful uh, area here. So, a fact is that that's that that is a, like that's a tree or that's a plant. We'll say or mm-hmm. or that tree exists. How about that? And my opinion is that I like that tree. It looks pretty to me sure right Mm -hmm. and then uh my belief is that that tree grew from a seed Hmm. wait a sec no that's not a fact
0: well i didn't watch it happen i
3: i believe okay so what would be an example then with the tree that would be a belief like i was trying to think of what. well i
0: would say like my belief is that god created trees or something i don't know that's what i thought you were gonna say but i
3: just mean something that i didn't see but i i okay i like where you went
0: with that but Mm -hmm. but does a fact have to be witnessed by you to be a fact well, that's a good question. Like Either? if you if you saw a seed grow yeah. once in a video or mm-hmm. you put a seed in the ground and watched a bean sprout and yeah. then you can extrapolate from that. That's how all plants grow. So now in my mind, a fact is that a tree grows from a seed. Yeah. Is that a belief or a fact? I don't know. This is why I, Peter loves epistemology. I know. I, no, I love that. This is epist- where here. the
1: discussion went because I was actually listening in preparation for this. I listened to a lecture by a philosopher, James Haw. Mm, um, James Hall, yeah. And <laughs> famous <laughs> epistemologist. <laughs> yes. Actually, he is, but, <laughs> but what he. What he talked about is like there are like facts that are also beliefs because sometimes people like they think they know that a tree comes from a seed, for example, but they're not one hundred percent sure. Let's just say that they right. heard that at one point in time, but they don't know all the all the information, all the science behind it. That would be a belief. Right. Um, but like for really? but for most people we know for a fact that a tree comes from a seed so, so
0: a fact isn't like indisputable
1: that is is it tricky to,
0: is it up to the person so like
2: the the tree coming from a seed to some one person is a fact and to someone else is a belief
1: yeah, right i that gets a little a little dicey there and that's where like the debates are at a lot is it yeah. is it relative to each person or is it uh Okay,
0: like is truth relative yeah. kind of discussion, right? Yeah. It, so um, yeah, go ahead.
3: Does the internet make it make truth like more relative <laughs> <laughs> uh, we go?
1: Well we'll probably get to okay, the internet okay. conversations <laughs> later on. Okay, okay. Uh but I I think a good way to think of this though is to define things of like um a fact is a justified belief so it begins with a belief of something uh, but then you have enough information where it's a very much a justifiable belief um beliefs are something that have a ground to it like so it's not a belief is not usually something out of thin air but like you have like uh, some sort of reasoning process or Mm -hmm. or experience to why you have that belief and then there's opinions and guesswork which get really tricky because sometimes people like have like a guess of what the future will be. And then that thing actually happens and they're like, Oh my, my uh, belief was real. This is fact. And Mm -hmm. it isn't, they just had a good guess. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that's uh, something that isn't grounded in experience or reason or some sort Mm -hmm. of thing like that.
2: So just want to make sure I'm following here. Like in some cases, does it go opinion Hmm. Then belief it turns into a belief because experience gives you something to to believe in, and then it becomes fact once it's confirmed. Is that kind of the typical path of like gaining knowledge or
1: not that- not so much the opinion part though that is often there, but it most of the time it is like belief to fact because the definition of fact that I gave is belief with justifiable. Evidence, so if that's your um definition, it begins with belief. Do, do nice th- belief do you think
3: do you think sorry do you think people are really crappy at differentiating between fact and belief
1: though oh yeah, and we'll talk about that later because what do I mean by justifiable evidence like right. what do we yeah. actually count as evidence and that is someone might have
3: it, a belief that's different than, <laughs> than what you yeah. think that is yeah,
0: yeah. i yeah and when i before I would have said that i like a fact is like a neutral like it's just it is or it isn't it's yeah, it, yeah. you know you can't object you can't be subjective about a fact but you could be about your beliefs and opinions but when I hear you explain it it's not that simple.
1: Though so it's not that simple but I also agree with you because like facts are objective but the way people interact with facts is subjective. Mm. Sure. And Mm -hmm. so I like fire
0: is hot or mm -hmm. something. That's a fact. Like I like sitting by a fire. That's my opinion. Or let's
1: say like Euclidean geometry is a fact. Uh, But if you say so, (laughs) (laughs) but but I'm not somebody who's into math. (laughs) I'm assuming. I'm I assuming no if you're like, it. let's say in a different world with different gravity, sure. Euclidean geometry probably wouldn't be a fact, okay. yeah. Yeah. right? Well, and I would like, think
0: like my coat is black or my hat is blue or whatever, but if somebody's colorblind and they don't experience things the same way I do, or how about gender is binary, mm-hmm. I thought was a fact before, right? And <laughs> it's like, now I'm, there's evidence to the contrary. Yeah, that's, so That's what I was going to, I was going to say that for me,
2: um, There are many things that I would have thought were fact, and in like when I was younger, would say it's a fact that so and so, like this is true. But now I wouldn't. I would say that was a belief I had, Hmm. and now I have a different belief. Mm -hmm. And like I almost use the word fact. I wouldn't even use the word fact in that conversation anymore. Um, I'm not being very specific.
3: Well, but I think I was. I think that's the same thought I have when I said that we're not really good at differentiating between facts and beliefs. Like, we assume that what we believe are facts, maybe. We give ourselves too much credit
0: sometimes. Hmm. But, I mean, yeah. are there things that people in epistemology discussions would agree are facts, or they can't even get there?
1: It depends. Like, the problem that I have with the definitions I gave is those are gross oversimplifications. But we have to begin somewhere, because there are, like people that are like the radical skeptics which is a branch of epistemology that believe that you can't prove anything
0: well like 21 percent of the air we breathe is oxygen is that a fact or is that can except you, if
1: you're talking to a radical skeptic then it wouldn't be so but what would they say
0: about that like
1: they they would say that we can't trust our senses or our information because okay. you can't trust causation. Yeah.
0: But but are they just playing devil's advocate for fun or do they
1: actually... It kind of depends. Sounds like a fun way to live.
3: <laughs> oh, man. Alive. Well, and,
1: and that's why most people sound don't like believe... Jerks. <laughs> <laughs> That's why most That's people don't believe radical skeptics because you can't really live that way. Even if you, no, can, you can't, you can't really disprove them, but you can't live that way. No. So, but it's, it's fun to
0: act like that at a
3: party or something. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, I but, believe that there's a fact in a
2: second here. Peter, is, is there a point where we could take a quick break?
1: Yeah, I, I was going to say now would probably well, be a good.
2: Unless- just tell me, is that a freaking tree? Like, is that? <laughs> Did
0: it come from a seed?
2: (laughs) When I brought the tree up, I was like, "I hope
3: this doesn't become like everything we talk about." Let's leave the tree. Yeah,
1: no, that was a brilliant example. That that was good.
3: Well, let's take a.
1: Okay, so we just talked about the difference between like fact, belief, and opinion, mm-hmm. um, and that fact is justifiable evidence. Uh, now we need to talk about what actually evidence is. Uh, so epistemologists tend to categorize evidence in different categories. So we're going to cover two categories in this segment, and that's experience and reason. Uh, so mm-hmm. experience is, well, these are easy to figure out. Experience is like the... <laughs> the taste, the touch, um, the, the seeing, um, like you, you form knowledge of something by your experience. Mm -hmm. Um, and in tandem with that, is reason. Uh, so reason is kind of connecting propositions together. Uh, so like uh, uh, you kind of go through this process of connecting different uh, ideas uh, uh, together based on your experiences.
0: If this was true and that's true, then this must also be true. Or exactly. that can't be true. Or yeah. So, are those viewed as equally important?
1: Well, there are some, there are some philosophers that elevate one over the other. So like Descartes will say reason is the most important thing. Mm-hmm um and Locke will say i think it's Locke. he's an empiricist right yeah um don't criticize me if i'm wrong but uh uh like (laughs) chance we'll never find out (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah, experience is also like uh um often caught empiricism as well so i might go back and forth between that but so like my my question is like let's begin with experience what do you think some of the strengths and weaknesses from getting your knowledge from experience, because all of these have their strengths and weaknesses to them they 're not perfect forms of uh, evidence, uh, but what what are yeah the mm-hmm. strengths and weaknesses of experience? Mm-hmm. I thought of the
3: word like anecdotal evidence when you mentioned experience, coming from a, a science background when people something you 've gone through ne- isn 't necessarily what wouldn't indicate what's generally true so that you call it anecdotal. You say that's your Mm -hmm. experience, but that's not necessarily
1: indicative of the whole truth. Does that make sense? Yeah. I actually have it written down here. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. (laughs) You're doing great tonight. You should be a philosopher. Uh, Or I have something similar to it where sometimes we like to make universal claims based on our experience. So let's say like, Let's say you had a, a rash and somebody gave you this ointment that they made that was like, oh, this is a miracle cure for that. And uh, the rash went away, and you're like, oh, this is my experience. This must work for everybody. Hmm. And then they did a scientific study with like 3,000 individuals on that ointment, and they realized it killed half of them. Yeah. Like it's uh, yeah. not, yeah, people like to make universal claims it's like guide- off of.
3: Like smokes two packs a day till he's
0: a hundred years old. Mm-hmm. Cigarettes it never killed don't, me. Yeah, yeah, I never. So, go. Or it actually made me live this long. Sure. Yeah. So I would say I get that that's not like anecdotal. You got to be careful, but the truth is, we um, or I, I shouldn't speak for you guys, will go through something, and the wisdom I gain from the decisions I made or the experiences I have will inform how I make decisions in the future. I think yeah. as people as we grow up, that's what. That's what happens when you're a kid and you've tried something and it worked one way and you did it again or it didn't work one way so you don't do it like that. Like that's what I think of when you're talking about experience. When
2: when I hear the experience versus reason, is that is that proper to use those I don't do you know if it's well, versus Some people some people too, versus, but Some but people
1: do put them versus, but oh, yeah. I didn't really set that But those are the two the two way. options.
2: Yeah. I think kind of heart versus and heart and head. Like thinking and when I and I think for myself I'm more of a heart person like experience and feeling is really like I make decisions based on that Mm -hmm. but I wouldn't say I the what you said with Graham there about like universal truths based on that I wouldn't say I do that like I I I would say my belief is formed by experience the things I believe but what I determine fact I
0: rely more heavily on reason. Tyler, would and, your um, heart and head like extend to if somebody else had that experience and then explained it to you, and then you would gain from what they did, or not necessarily? Not would necessarily you have to experience it because yourself? that example of the ointment. Like I've heard
2: many of those mm-hmm. in my life, where someone says, "Well, it worked for me, so it must work for everyone else," or, and I'm maybe skeptical of those claims. But when it's for myself, like... So you have to experience it for yourself for it to be true. I guess for me, for it to become a belief, like where I truly believe. I I think I'm a skeptic until I experience it
3: Mm. or...
0: um, But you also like to reason, like you like to talk about things and banter back and forth, I think too, right? Oh yeah, I do for sure.
1: It, and I want to be clear, like experience is a good form of knowledge. It's like it has its weaknesses, but it's incredibly powerful. Like uh, when people experience something, it it changes their life. And, and I don't think we need to pit experience and reason against each other because when you experience something that's normally like a proposition that you work off of, when you do your reasoning, like yeah. you can't reason without experience. Would the scientific method be experience? Like, what, how would you
3: classify that method of attaining um, conclusions? You know, that, that would be, be reason.
1: No, I would actually say that's experience, uh, but be, that's what I couldn't figure out. Yeah. But, but, and there is reasoning in, involved, but with each of these categories though, society in some sense has kind of set the standards to like what qualifies as as good evidence for experience or good evidence for for reason like like um yeah like with experience if you just hear of one experience that's normally not good evidence you mm-hmm. you want to hear tons of experiences yeah. of that same thing to yeah. to know and and same with the reason like For example, if somebody ever sends me like a YouTube link of like, oh, here's this information, here's this resource, I immediately ignore it. I don't even watch it Mm -hmm. simply because, uh, with reason, you want other people to agree with you, you want peer reviewed. Uh, resources and YouTube, you don't have other people analyzing that to see if the person is saying truth. You want to go to a journal uh, where a bunch of people have to analyze that information. Um, so it's, yeah, so it's important to have these standards with each of these categories. And most of the time people don't reach these standards though, when they accept forms of information
0: one of my favorite young adult novels uh, that I used a lot in grade eight is called The Giver by Lois Lowry. And Love she, that book. She has this um, like dystopian future where elders make decisions, but the way they do it, it, and they're influenced by this guy named The Giver, whose job is to hold all the experiences of people and to use that to, to influence and, like, I guess, to come to wisdom, right? So that's all anecdotal i guess but when i'm thinking of her as an her epistemological view would be that you need to experience it to mm-hmm. to do it i would think mm-hmm. but yeah. i didn't realize till right now that that's kind of what she was a proponent of yeah mm-hmm. is she wrong peter hmm? is she wrong
1: i i have my own views. I actually like I use reason and experience, um, but I rely on other sources as well. Which this is a good time for a break oh. for us to get to those other sources of knowledge because it's not just reason and experience.
0: Oh, you kind of tricked us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was really getting into this. Maybe we'll let this train pass. Oh then. wow. <laughs> yeah. That's it's a long <laughs> honker coming
3: through.
1: Okay, so our next form of evidence that we're going to look at is authority. So, authority, there's different forms of authority. One is like looking at just somebody who has expertise. Uh, and that's actually a really good form of evidence because, like, we don't have enough time to study everything under the sun, we have to rely on people with expertise. Mm-hmm. Um and but another form of expertise that isn't as good that a lot of people rely on is if somebody is just in that position, if they're in that role. Like let's say like if somebody is a president, like uh they don't always have expertise. Mm -hmm. Uh but they're in that but the position does, yeah. Yeah. So um so authority can be a tricky one. But yeah, what are what are some yeah, strengths and weaknesses with authority as evidence?
2: Well, when in the last segment we talked about reason and experience and when i was thinking about experience that forms my beliefs i was including experiences i had from um authority or like things that i've read or i kind of just included that in experience um like for example if i've read something from someone with expertise and it resonated with me and I that experience could form my belief like so I I don't know where, where I'm going with that other than I see those two as very closely connected like um, there could be someone with expertise who says something but it doesn't I don't connect with it or um, and then there's other, and I guess there's the other side of it too where there's expertise where I take it and I it's very rational So I think that it still fits into those two categories of reason and experience for me where, where there's the authority, but I'm still either experiencing it or I'm just using that to rationalize, um, where I'm at. But
1: yeah. And I think you're right on there because like one of the reasons for the overlap is you're relying on somebody else's experience and reason. Mm -hmm. Uh, so like you're, it's, going to overlap with your experience mm. and reason as well. You're just kind of, kind of living vicariously through an expert basically.
2: Yeah.
3: I feel like the obvious, not the obvious trouble with that, but it's that people are going to put their faith and their beliefs into different ex- experts and they both have a, a source of information and they don't, and they're not the same. And if we're not, but, and if, sorry.
2: Well, I was going to say, but are all experts act like, are all experts actually experts? I
3: know I'm saying. <laughs>
1: this is the weakness. Yeah.
3: Because yeah. we determine the expert almost.
1: Like it's our own. Well, by me choice. using the singular earlier of expert, it's actually the best source of evidence when you rely on an expert is to rely on experts. Like hmm. you never just want one, you want. Um, a large number of experts to to agree with something. So, like, let's say if you watch an expert on YouTube and it's just one person and no other experts agrees with them, you do not agree. Like, don't follow that expert if nobody or else. Or at least is. see what
0: other people are saying yeah. about it. I think authority is interesting because often it could, if it's true authority, a person in that authority has experience and they've spent time reasoning. Like, I think of you as a pastor; you've spent a lot of time studying things that I haven't had time to study. You've spent a lot of time talking and reasoning through things. I haven't had a lot of time talking or reasoning through. I would think of your expertise in an area like biblical study or philosophy that I don't have. So you kind of, by having a true authority, you kind of, you encompass those other two things in a way.
1: And as somebody who's on the other side of it, like I do appreciate when people like, like, Uh, Listen to my opinion on things I've studied like sometimes people don't do that like but but when people do I appreciate that but I also know my weaknesses and I want other experts in my field Mm -hmm. to also like agree with way in Yeah. Mm And within academic circles, that's where you have journals, like uh, um, many journals have to be peer reviewed. And that's where, you know, something is pretty legit. Uh, Like this is something that the other experts in the field have also agreed with. Um, And other like just by Googling things on the Internet, there's no guarantee that those things are peer reviewed unless if you use Google Scholar or something like that.
3: One thing I talk about in my science class quite a bit with students is that maybe there's a fundamental misunderstanding of, of what science is. Like it's not just this singular voice. Like science is if, you, if you're an expert and you come to a conclusion and I'm an expert, I'm going to spend all of my time trying to disprove whatever you just did. Like that's what science is. It's like I have to make sure that what you said is true. So me and thousands of other scientists are going to just do whatever we can to show you you're wrong. And if we can't show you that you're wrong, that strengthens your your argument is the expert. If that makes sense. So the scientific method is quite is quite it's related to this, I think, for sure. In that it's not about like accepting one person. It's almost like, oh yeah, you think that's true? Well, I'm gonna make sure it's true by trying to disprove it over and over and over again.
2: I've seen in kind of recent events and people hijacking that that premise of kind of distrusting like science is based on the the idea that that we need to question and challenge, right? Mm. But I think people have hijacked that idea and say that we as individuals who are not scientists should challenge and question the information that's being passed <laughs> on to us. Right. Like, cause that science, we're doing science by questioning it. So but there's, but there's thousands think, of scientists doing that already. And, and I, that is why it is science. Know,
0: and I would say the pushback on that would be then make sure as a scientist you're being, you have integrity and you're actually following that method and you're not just clamming on to what other scientists are saying and using science as the authority or the expertise or the – because that could, that could – I could easily see that happening. If the scientific method has a lot of integrity to it, but yeah, scientists yeah. as human beings right. could easily not. But individuals who are not
2: scientists Wait, are not sci- – like they're we're just not scientists. Like I'm not a scientist, so no, it's not my yeah, job right. to question the science it's the job of a scientist to challenge it. And uh
1: though I think hmm. where, where Chris is coming from, because I don't think you two are contradictory at all no. here. Um, I wasn't planning on getting into this, this topic, but there's a, Sorry. um, <laughs> <laughs> <whoops>. <laughs> uh, there's, uh, An idea called reformed epistemology, which is uh, basically everybody has these presuppositions that they uh, begin with. And so these are presuppositions that people don't prove, uh, but they work all their knowledge off of those presuppositions. And so even even a scientist will have their presuppositions and they will work off of that. Because
0: everybody does.
1: Yeah, and in an ideal world, uh, when they encounter information, they will change their presuppositions as uh, that exchange of information happens. But that does not always happen. People will, s- a lot of people don't like to change their presuppositions at all.
0: But is that like yeah. you come to the table saying, "Hey, here's what I, what my presuppositions are" before we get started in this discussion, or is it?
1: I I wish people did that. And I actually, when we like go into like like sort of like political identities or like uh, our biases or presuppositions. I actually think that's a healthy thing because we are stating them to begin with. Like, I love it when I read a biblical scholar and they're like, oh, I'm highly influenced by Rudolf Boltman, who's like this yeah, uh, modernist, <laughs> this hey, this, Tyler, right away, this hey. modernist liberal scholar. <laughs> and no, <they're>, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and when people state that though, you know, where they're coming from, you know, where their presuppositions are. And I think that's almost more truthful. Hmm. Um, unlike the news that we like, I'm a big consumer of news, but my biggest aggravation is news story. I mean, news companies, even the biased ones will try to say they're unbiased. Yeah. I'm like, no, you're biased. Let us know what the bias is. Yeah. And yeah, that, like that will
3: make it way clearer sure. for us. So, what's our Harmonious Gentleman podcast bias, Tyler?
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. I think we have one. Oh, yeah. That we can talk through anything, or we would try to, or, Mm -hmm. and some people would really disagree with us. Or is that our bias? Well, I I think, I think the fact that
2: even just to talk through anything means that we're open minded, which I'm trying to think of like just
0: like it means
1: we label that we could put
2: on that would like actually like accurately communicate with people what our biases are. Like mm-hmm. maybe progressive would be a bias. Like we,
1: mm-hmm.
2: we think we are, or we are. Uh, well, now you're making know. me second so doubt myself, but I,
3: let's say one, two, three, and then we'll say what we think. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you no,
1: know, I, I like categories that teachers often use of growth and fixed mindset. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and I think shout out to Jeremy. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, because he likes to be mentioned on on, yeah, on this. No, he likes to <laughs> Timmy. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
3: Every square but, centimeter is a good podcast.
1: <laughs> but the the idea, the idea that we are always learning or that we should always be learning, is a presupposition.
3: Hmm. Peter, what worries me is that with our access to information, which was supposed to be this great equalizer and this amazing modern marvel has instead created a world where you can basically reinform or reinforce any opinion that you have with information that is either legitimate or seems legitimate. Uh does that make sense?
1: Yeah. And and that's a, like they are still using these forms of evidence that we see. People are still using uh experience and reason and authority, but they have different I don't know, different uh um, categories or levels of good evidence so like okay. for some people they're completely convinced by one person who's an expert mm-hmm. and just by hearing that one person they will form their entire world view. uh for me i need a lot more than one person mm-hmm. like that's kind of my standard that that i follow two so, people yeah two <laughs> two or more that's your standard and and they have to be friends of mine. Yeah. That's
0: that's right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have to have gone to school with them.
1: Well, and that's actually another standard too. like experts. I try to look at experts that I know that I will disagree with mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. like, or work off of different presuppositions. Uh, I like that. For, yeah. for some people, their standard is they add, will automatically go to people that they agree with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a poor standard because you're just only going to reinforce your own ideas.
0: I feel like we're heading for a break, but a question I would have would be if, if people know this, like this, what we've talked about, does that help the conversations you're having about almost anything or about contentious, potentially unharmonious topics?
1: I think I've often thought that like in schools, they should be teaching epistemology early on uh, because I think people would treat this situation, for example, in the pandemic a lot differently if we all understood what counts as good information, good evidence. And if we understood the different categories of knowledge and how those categories relate to each other, like all that stuff, I think would actually change our situation because at least we would know uh, what even counts as knowledge to begin with.
0: Well, Tyler teaches social studies in high school, and I know that the grade ten, eleven, and twelve curriculum includes point of view, opinion, and what's the third thing?
2: What are the ones you just Five? said?
0: Point of view and opinion. <sighs> point of view. Uh maybe like cultural cultural belief. Like there's kind of like it starts with opinion, it can turn into a point of view, and then it grows into something that like a group of people maybe it's belief. It's it's kind of similar well, uh, in terms. Ideology. Of, yeah. Ideology. Yeah. Sounds like liberal indoctrination to me.
2: <laughs>
0: well, that's the end goal for sure.
1: <laughs> so our final evidence of knowledge is probably the most controversial one. And not all epistemologists actually agree as the, with this being a separate category, they will often combine this with experience, but this is the idea of revelation a religious experience. And so I actually consider it as something separate from experience because not, not All religious experience is actually experience. Like, uh, because, like Christians, for example, we rely heavily on a text. That involves a little bit more reasoning. Um, so I struggled to just put it in the experience category, Mm -hmm. but, but this, this is a very interesting. Thing Because depending on the religion or even non-religious people have revelation as well uh, that they that they rely on and it kind of fills in the gaps because we've kind of we've talked about, yeah, experience and reason and authority and there's gaps with all of those. And they t- they tend to rely on a subjective um, experience and or not experience, but a subjective um, view in many ways. So often what people do when they fill in those gaps, they will rely on revelation. Um, So their religion or some sort of spiritual belief uh, to, yeah, to fill in the gaps that reason experience leave behind. Um, Yeah. Or they use revelation to kind of define everything, Mm -hmm. which is what I tend to do. So, yeah. What What do you guys think about revelation as a form of knowledge? Is it reliable? Where it's strengths, weaknesses? Uh,
0: speaking, I'm yeah, as you're describing that, I'm thinking of two things. One, that I definitely believe in some revelation because I am a Christian and believe stories in the Bible where people have experiences of revelation that I think I consider canon or truth or whatever you want to call it. But then there are other instances like um, Joseph Smith, for example, who claims he had a revelation and I totally don't believe. But how are his claims different than, let's say, Moses's or Joseph's or yeah. Mary's or, you know, and I'm just trying to think what are what what do I think the difference is that is? Is it just the number of people who believe it? Is it the experts who give credence to it? Is it? The reason, or yeah, I don't know. Hmm. I got to think about that for a few more minutes. Me
3: too. I find the Joseph Smith story so fascinating. So, as
0: soon as you <laughs> mention his name, I'm just thinking about all that.
3: Yeah. The story of the Mormons. And yeah. Peter, what does differentiate Joseph Smith from.
1: <laughs> like,
3: Please well, tell me. Th- this is, <laughs> you're a crisis. This is
1: <laughs> one of the biggest struggles that epistemologists have with the uh, category revelation, is there's no set standard of what counts as revelation. So somebody could be like, Oh God is telling me this. That counts as revelation for me. I'm like, I'm looking at a text that's existed for a couple thousand years. That's what I count as revelation. But the
0: text might record the fact that somebody, God told them something.
1: Yeah. And, and that's why some epistemologists include revelation into experience because it ultimately begins in an experience. Mm -hmm. But like when you look at a text, You have people using reason, um, as that text comes together, like there, there's a lot of layers to it. Um, but for me, I think it, the, one of the reasons why I like revelation so much is it makes sense that like, uh, that we have to be given knowledge in order to understand everything around us. So like having, having God giving us knowledge to understand the world, um, makes sense to me. Like it helps me to be able to understand my experiences better, to understand reason better, uh, to understand authority better. And it just kind of, uh, fits together.
2: I just, you, you've mentioned the Bible being like a text that's been around for a long time. And you mentioned expertise and studying, and, and I get and how it connects with expertise, like or with uh, experience. Sorry, um, I get that, but then how do you differentiate between old texts like, like the Bible? Because the Bible is not the only old text that is knowledge being passed on. Like, what about the Quran or like, so like the are Daga they Lugita
0: or the yeah, yeah
2: like or like Buddha's writings, like there's, are they all equally valid? And we just pick to like, you you used fill in the gaps. Like, is it the last category that you just kind of, you like, it's like a free for all, like you you grab from what you, you want.
1: Now for me to be a clarifier, like I don't use revelation to fill in gaps, but a lot of people do. Like I, like I kind of begin with revelation and move on from there. But I think that's a good question where there are a lot of layers to. Like, for example, one of my favorite, uh, if you count it as a religious text. Harry is, Potter? Yeah, Harry <laughs> Potter. I love Harry Potter it, with, yeah. with, a, with a passion, <laughs> especially the Latin version that I have. It's quite delightful. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, the, the Analects by Confucius. I yeah. love that book. I adore it so much. But the interesting thing with like a lot of ancient texts like that is uh, um, the reliability of the the manuscripts is a tricky thing for me. So like one of the weird things with the Bible and one of the cool things is the number of manuscripts um, number into the thousands yeah. and mm-hmm. like and that just means more reliable and they agree you, with each other. You yeah. compare the manuscripts and they mostly agree there are differences, but like scholars are able to like, let you know what the differences are. So when I opened up my Greek New Testament, there's like all these uh, footnotes that let you know, like, oh, this papyrus or this codex has a different uh, uh, word here or there. Um, And so like in my mind, I'm just like pretty
0: amazing. Actually,
1: It's incredible because not like every text, has manuscripts, but not near the number of manuscripts Mm -hmm. as the Bible. So it's just in my head. I'm like, Oh, that means it's more uh, justifiable, Mm -hmm. but not everybody sees it that way. Um, That's why there are different.
0: So what would you say that that because of that, it has authority or because of that it's reason or because of that, it's the experience of those people.
1: I, I would say, I would say it's all of that. Like, When when text before the printing press with any religious text or any text outside of religion, um, it is interesting to just kind of look at how things are copied and what texts are prioritized over others, and it's a fascinating, fascinating field. Uh, But that's like that's not my only reason, and it shouldn't be the only reason for people to rely on a text. Like that's just one aspect of this. As a
3: science teacher, which is colored like every one of my reactions tonight, (laughs) there's also like the other level, like layer of like interpretation of the text. Like sure, you agree that the text is, is the text to, to take pointers from, but then there's also like the varying degrees of what, what it means to you. Mm. So I teach about evolution, but there's some people who would say that the Bible is very clear that that's not, that's not true and i would argue that well actually with a certain interpretation it is and that that's a whole other level isn't it interpretation I definitely mean, like
1: right? i oh that's uh a, that's called hermeneutics um and it is i was going to say that next yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's
0: like it doesn't really fit with epistemology <laughs>
1: <laughs> and oh it is delightful because hmm. it is it is figuring out how to interpret a text and hermeneutics does not Apply just to the Bible applies to any literary, uh, old literary texts, mm. and I guess new ones. But there, yeah, there are different interpretive methods, and I admit I have a, a more of a unique interpretive method than a lot of Christians have when it comes to the Bible. Like mm. I use what's called a literary method, where I I look at the the text, the story, the grammar. Um, I don't look at historical context. A lot, actually, which may surprise people because I include it in my sermons. But it, historical context has a very minor factor when I interpret the the text. I just look at what the text says. So how 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 do we wrap everything up? <laughs>
0: I was just thinking that too. I think
2: I, I've got. I'm taking some notes, nice. sort of. Like yeah. I wrote down like Rev, like the four. What would you call the four things? Uh, like authority, reason, experience, revelation. Those are four justifications for, for knowledge. Yeah. Like, can we rank them? Like, are they ranked (laughs) or is it like you said you start with revelation? Is that, well, obviously you think that's the, the best path to knowledge, but do you think that, well, is that true? Do you think that's the best way or do you think there's other ways that are equally valid? Like if someone starts with experience, and revelation is fourth on the the their four like their last thing like getting revelation is the kind of filling in the gaps. Is that worse?
1: I wouldn't say that's worse. There's pros and cons to each one, and there are incredible thinkers throughout history that emphasize one over the other. Um, and this is where the conclusion is going to be in. Incredibly unsatisfied. <laughs> well, that's what I'm <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because I no. I don't have an answer. Like within Christian history, most of Christian history has like the sort of mantra started with Augustine and continued with Anselm of faith seeking understanding, and that's like what I begin with. So like like for me, beginning with like we're made in the image of God, so we have rational minds where we can like yeah figure our thoughts out we we can trust our experiences like for me beginning by faith like I I uh, have a better trust of my experiences and reasoning and that's why I begin there but like people begin in different different spots they emphasize different things and I wouldn't I wouldn't say that's wrong but it will bring about different conclusions well <laughs>
3: Maybe we can at least all agree that YouTube and blogs should not be a starting or ending point for anyone determining facts. Midpoint? <laughs> so, please get vaccinated. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: man. That wasn't my point, no, but no. I, no. I, I agree. You concur. <laughs> Do you concur? It's, huh. though, I I hope I hope people, at least by knowing the categories, though, can help them to like yeah. understand the thought process, the yeah. thought process better. And
2: um, well, I like that we haven't used the word at least while recording. We haven't used the word empathy, right? Like knowing that there's these different categories and people start at different points. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, allows us to have empathy and enter conversations. I think with people that yeah in a different way and
3: well Peter whenever you come it always seems like we have to sort of stop before we we could keep going all night really we could um, Yeah, especially with your whiskey but maybe we'll uh, <laughs> maybe we'll just put a little what, little
1: what whiskey? I didn't bring any whiskey
3: confessions <laughs>
2: metaphorical yeah
3: <laughs> guys let's just pause and uh, we'll come back with some confessions and some closing thoughts Peter thank you so much yeah this
0: is good it's really good yeah Uh, Tomorrow, I'm going to see the movie Dune, and I've looked forward to it for quite a while. And I kind of have a history of like putting hopes in movies and then being disappointed. So I just want to confess a time that happened. Back in 1998, a movie came out called Small Soldiers. And I (laughs) (laughs) told a lot of people that it was going to (laughs) be the best movie ever made. And I have no idea why I thought it was going to be so great, but literally yeah. thinking like this is going to change what? like Hollywood. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, it doesn't Listeners even make Google sense. YouTube, go to YouTube and look at the trailer for this. <laughs> yeah, it came out in '98, and if you haven't seen it, I don't recommend it. And I, yeah, I, I have no idea why I was thinking that this was going to be so epic, and it, it's not like the worst movie ever made, but it's probably in the bottom ten. That's like <laughs> the toys that are yeah. come to life. Okay. Yeah. I've yeah.
1: never heard of this movie. Okay. Um, Phil Hartman maybe. But I kind of want to guess Rotten Tomatoes. So Jay somebody. Moore. I don't know who is okay, all you, in this,
0: but you a young talking. Kirsten Dunst, I think.
1: Okay, just from your description. And some action
0: heroes. That I'm, I'm going to guess a
1: 14. Can,
0: wait, I should tell you the premise of the movie, okay. which is that yeah, why missile did you think it was going to be so great? Missile technology gets accidentally put into like G.I. Joe kind of figures. And these sort of get sold to kids. And then the toys, like, (laughs) become animated and try to take over the world. Like, (laughs) I don't know why, but I thought it was going to be epic. And boy, was it
1: not. I'm going to keep it 14.
0: It's actually... It's only forty-four reviews,
3: not that many. Oh,
1: okay, that but counts. it's
3: forty-eight percent. Oh, uh, that, yeah, so I,
1: I was
0: wrong. Twenty-two other people had kind of the same thoughts as me. <laughs> but my first clue should have been like I went to the theater and like nobody else was there, and I was like, why isn't this picking up more steam? Listeners, I do recommend you you just googling small soldiers
3: and looking at the the art from the poster. Um, and this is the top critic. This smells like a script slapped together around a toy product launch. So there you go. And
0: and that's what it was. I mean, I like Ninja Turtles, and that's the same. <laughs> Good movie. So did you guys see Small Soldiers? Like I think I, I do I saw, yeah. 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 Okay. okay. So thanks,
3: I hope this is better than that. <laughs> okay. Yeah.
2: Let's go, Tyler. Um today after school, I was driving two of my kids home and we drive every Friday um in the parking lot of a Catholic church we drive by there's a bunch of vehicles with posters of of babies and it's mm-hmm. um my 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 son was like oh they're selling cars and my my daughter's <laughs> like no they're like pictures of babies those aren't cars for sale so then they started asking questions like what are those people doing so then i i explain so like on this drive home today i explained i i explained abortion to Whoa. my um uh 6 and 8 year old kids. And I, I did it. I think I'm happy with how I did. It. That's not really my confession. So but I explained like what those people were doing um that they were advocating for stricter laws mm-hmm. related to abortion and I had to explain what that meant. But then the follow-up question from from Herschel was so how does the baby get inside the mom? Uh, right. Oh yeah! So,
0: <laughs> there we go. He showed so my class. And then so, <laughs> he showed Graham's YouTube well, video. And then this is the <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, well, my confession is that I, I totally dodged the question, or I, I gave a short. I base here's, I think, kind of what I said. I said. It's quite complicated. <laughs> um Which is true. And which is true. It's very complicated. It very good, I'm not sure I'm in the mood to tell you right now. Let's listen to Harry Potter. So I nice. I pushed play on like the, the audiobook that we listened J. to on K. the drive Rowling home.
0: Strikes again. And they're like,
2: okay. Because they like they like <laughs> Harry Potter. So that was like my I used Harry Potter to get out of explaining sex. <laughs> There's and something to like be
3: said about you being willing to describe like abortion.
2: <laughs> right. I know. Right? But not sex. That's, that's kind of the confession is yeah. that I, I had. Wow. Wow. But then I just like gave up. I was like, no, it's pretty complicated. Let's listen to Harry Potter. It's that's a lot to take awesome. in one car
0: ride. Let's yeah. be honest. Yeah. yeah. But. We have another week together. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. That's
1: a good one, Tyler. Peter. My my confession is basically um Alberta has changed me quite a bit because mm-hmm. before I moved here I used to hate winter and I was thinking the other day I cannot wait for it to snow I want to ride my fat bike I'm just Whoa. like excited for the Crazy. winter to come around and I'm like what did Alberta to, do to me like it yeah. yeah
0: yeah It's like country music you listen to a
1: couple songs and then next thing you know It's like I'm just Has that happened to you yet? No, country okay. music is stupid. High five for that. Give except, it another except year. Except for Orville Peck, he's like yeah. uh, the one country artist I See, like. See, you already have some exceptions.
3: Sturzo Simpson's also pretty awesome. Just put it out there. Mm-hmm.
1: But, but country Stapleton? music okay. is a sin.
0: So you're waiting. <laughs> you're excited. It's going to snow in a couple days.
1: Yeah, and I can't wait to sit by like my my wood fireplace, and it's just I I love winter now. That's so. cool.
3: I disagree. This has been the most glorious fall Isn't we've ever it? had. Here. It's the 29th of October, and we're still beautiful it's above days. Zero, no yeah. snow.
0: You are wrong, sir. <laughs> yeah. Well, winter's nice in confines. Like, keep it to, like, November to March and not don't spread it out from October to April.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that is the thing I miss about Michigan is winter would always end at the end of February. Yeah. And, and mean then seasons. it's spring. Yeah. 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 Seasons are cool. Wait, seasons exist? <laughs> seasons are cool.
3: <laughs> Where I grew up in northern BC, there was really barely ever snow. So it, it is nice to have some. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks, Peter. My confession is really quick. I told you guys that I showed my kids in my class a video that had furry creatures procreating, and I was embarrassed by that. And then today, same class, there are two chairs at the front of the class. One is a high stool, one is a low chair. And as I taught, I walked back and forth, and sometimes I would sit on the stool as I talked, and then I would hop off the stool. And you can <laughs> predict what happened. At one point, I thought I had a stool behind me, and oh, I went no. to sit down the stool, <laughs> and it was the chair, and I fell and smacked the wall. And uh, oh, wow. probably woke the kids up. Hurt? To be honest, yeah. kind of. like hit my back, but again, those moments where they all look up and they're about to laugh really hard at me, and I had to try to play it off. But I turned beet red, and it was obvious <laughs> I was embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like Friday afternoon, and it was anyway. So I'm going to keep this series going. Yeah, embarrassing myself. Yeah. Um, Tyler, thank you for hosting again.
0: Yeah, no, thanks for making the drive out to Lacombe. This is our happy place. Yeah, it is. Hey, we like hearing from people. So uh, best way to get a hold of us is th- why don't you connect first to our website? It's really great. Tyler's put a lot of work into it, harmoniousgentleman.com. From there, you can connect to all the platforms that our um, podcast is on, but you can also reach us at harmoniousgentleman at com and check us out on uh, social media too.
3: And because Tim Alien has revealed himself and become fairly silent, feel free to fill that void. Um, send anonymously to mm. us keep us on our toes I like that you know do something <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we need something Yeah, because we've resorted to emailing ourselves lately
0: and <laughs> it's getting old. pseudonyms yeah
3: and uh, also Peter
1: thank you so much for joining us again yeah thanks for having me it was a fun time it was a great time yeah, thanks for all the
0: preparation you do for it too
1: you know I hardly get a chance to talk philosophy with other people yeah. so okay this is always my opportunity awesome I don't doubt we'll have you on again not i wrong. doubt it <laughs> it's my opinion
3: that he'll come back
1: yeah <laughs> man not a belief like, well, no.
3: is it a different thing is that different okay thanks you guys <laughs> we learned nothing tonight <laughs> and scene. two weeks we'll see you again see you later
2: yeah thanks